You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Rahul. Let's go! Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 96 of Ace Comicals. Today it is me and Rahul. Hey guys. And we are joined by special guests Nigel and Tazzy of the Mayamada podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome Thanks indeed. for having us back. Yeah, welcome back. Um, so last time these guys were here we talked about Batman the Long Halloween in sort of like reply to the fact that we did well i did a cast with them about um the dark knight the christopher nolan movie so now what we're doing is i've been and talked about logan so i'm bringing them back here to talk about a wolverine story that what it's my favorite wolverine story and probably one of my favorite comics ever actually And that is the 1991 Weapon X arc, which collects Marvel Presents issues 72 to 84. Now, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, that's over 10 comics. And the book I'm looking at is like paper thin. And that is because Marvel Presents was an anthology series. So when we say it collects issues 72 to 84, it collects eight pages of each issue between 72 and 84 not the whole comic because the it had like you typically got four stories in each one and for each story was eight pages long and they each had like a different marvel character but the headliner for those particular issues was wolverine in the weapon x book so um i mean you yeah, say that but, like it's a bad thing but for me that was a blessing yeah like, I, <laughs> I, I loved how short this comic was and how like dense and yeah and, yeah there's a lot there. And I mean, like, mm. for something that was published in an anthology series as well, as an eight, in eight-page bursts, right? And um, Marvel Presents Volume 1 is where this kind of, like, reared its head or popped its claws, shall we say. And that <laughs> ran between 1998 and 1995, and it ran bi-weekly. So you could pick this up every two weeks from the shop. So... Imagine, imagine being back then, grabbing, uh, grabbing this every two weeks and waiting for the next eight pages. And like, I actually, um, I'll come to this in a bit, but when I was reading it, I was actually in my head splitting it into eight page bursts, just thinking like, wow, like I would never be able to handle that. I don't think I would either. (laughs) Yeah. I buy comics monthly anyway, but like just getting only eight pages of this at a time would drive me nuts because it's just so like as a single unit when you read it as a single graphic novel it just comes together so well and it's so cohesive but before we get any deeper into that let's ask people how they are (laughs) so um we'll start with the guests so um start with nigel how have you been what have you been up to oh what have i been up to uh so i've been in i've been okay um definitely feeling better than the last time i was on just going through this uh sort of pandemic induced uh thing <laughs> not sure what what proper label to put on it but yeah sort of emerging through that that uh, tunnel um proverbial tunnel uh doing better we've got a lot of stuff like related to my matter that we're working on so 
this month kind of balancing uh, managing our uh, next gamepad online event um, as well as a Kickstarter um, which we've got on at the moment uh, as well as preparing for some workshop projects and trying to manage uh, young work experience um, students as well which is an interesting challenge. Sounds pretty rewarding as well actually. Yeah, when it works, when it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, no, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got uh, sort of a bunch of uh, good people that are kind of taking part in this upcoming uh, gamepad event. And it's it's like the, so it's essentially like delegation um, to people who aren't as experienced. So the whole idea is they're getting experience. And in theory, it's like, oh, I'll just hand off all this work uh, to them. But what you actually have to do is is prepare them for it and and sort of train them in some, you know, small scale. So it's like it it, it always gets to the point where I have to remember like uh, I'm the only one who knows everything. <laughs> and when it's like coming to young people, you have to explain. Oh right, of course you don't know this because you haven't been working on this for years and years and years. <laughs> um, so why would you? So yeah, it's having that extra step of having to uh, explain things and and be patient. Uh, with them and and then you get to the rewarding bit where they where they get it and they get value from it and they sort of build in confidence as well yeah cool that sounds great it's one of those those things where you remember oh like oh no i'm the adult <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> gotta... yeah oh yeah they're looking for me to me for answers oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and, and the... i do i have the answers i guess i, I was do. just gonna I say just <laughs> yeah. I was, the worst thing is when of get like work experience um still, or, or anyone to be honest um and I'll ask you a question and you don't actually know the answer but in particular for work experience students because obviously you can't say i don't know <laughs> you have to like, give them something so yeah it might mean i have to quickly like kind of look up what i need to know uh which is good because then you you learn stuff and you learn how to communicate it to other people as well my trick i've learned at work because i do similar thing with uh, mentoring uh like the new starters and um trainees and apprentices and stuff and what i've learned is instead of saying i don't know i say let's google that together yeah <laughs> that's a good one i love that i've got a version of that as well <laughs> how do you think you would do it um if if our listeners wanted to to check out what you've been working on or maybe get involved where would, where could they find that online Oh, um, so mymatter.com is is the best place. And then if you've got listeners interested in uh, gaming events, uh, specifically online gaming events, uh, you can head to gamepad.events uh, to check out the details uh, for our upcoming uh, Twitch live stream, which Tazzy will be hosting and I will be in the background. Uh, not literally in the background, just like figuratively uh, in the background. <laughs> I won't be like buzzing around Tazzy's background. That would be weird. Um, be <laughs> yeah. um, and then <laughs> we've got, uh, I mentioned the Kickstarter. So if you go on Kickstarter and search uh, Serious Through the Fog, you will see our latest campaign for a new uh, manga comic that has come as a result of the pandemic and me wanting to create a story that kind of uh, focuses on sort of positive lessons and outcomes like during times like this. Nice. That sounds like exactly the kind of thing <laughs> a lot of us need right now. It sounds like a problem, yeah. yeah. so I'll be checking that out. And I expect Greg will be methodically putting these links into our show notes as well. Um, I will, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Tazzy, what have you been up to? Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, we've started... Um, 
our new season of the Story X Story podcast. So we've been recording a lot of episodes for that um, and preparing for Gamepad, though, frankly, not as much uh, as what Nigel has to do, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just a lot of streaming. Uh, streams have been going great. A lot of different games. I've, I don't know, I've just really been enjoying it lately. Um, and then uh, also a lot of panels seem to be on a lot of panels and it didn't dawn on me until uh, earlier today actually um, when I saw the tweet that uh, one of the panels we recorded um, was actually being broadcast today. I was like wow I've done a lot of panels the last few months. (laughs) It's like new digital uh, online event world. Um, Hmm. So yeah and then I actually went to a real life event today as well which was interesting uh, at Brands Hatch so it was all outside uh, and trying to like navigate um, while like social distancing and stopping people from getting your personal space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> most people are pretty good. Um, but yeah, no. It's a bit like uh, playing a racing game, isn't it? You have to find like the perfect line through the crowd and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, you could just, you know, rip a sick triple impossible over the crowd. I mean... If you can get, if you can get, if you can get a good enough ramp, you can you can hit the gap and just you know. You're gonna have to translate that for the less radical of us. Yeah. So, so, (laughs) so, I've been playing a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh. Uh Ah, it all makes sense. Yeah, I've rediscovered 15-year-old skater Greg. So. I actually really want to get that. Oh, it's fantastic! It's great! It's so good. Is it very nostalgic? Yes. The sound, the soundtrack's great as well. Like, I mean, there's there's some additions that have been made to the soundtrack. But what you can do is you could, I guess, I've not even looked into the options yet. Can you actually turn songs on and off, Ray? Yes, you you can oh, actually cool. filter by yeah. specific playlist, so you can have just Tony Hawk's one or just Tony Hawk's two, or you know, mix and match. Can you get rid of Can you get rid of specific tracks? You can. You can turn off all the new ones as well. Oh, you can turn Machine Gun Kelly off. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't mind so. that track, but. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I've been playing THPS uh, one plus two, and it is—it's it, exactly what Greg just said. Like, it, it takes you back to being fifteen and like uh, thinking you're cooler than you actually are. Because um, uh, one thing, Greg, that, like uh, for me to like spill into what I've been doing lately, um, when Tony Hawk's was announced, I think back in May or like April time. Um, that got me thinking that I, you know, I kind of wish that I, when I was 15, I picked up a skateboard and I kind of dropped off there. And then I went to go, um, I went to Leicester at some point to visit my family and I, uh, bumped into Greg and Greg had his longboard with him. And I, like, I, I took a brief dalliance on it, right. And immediately fell over. And <laughs> that, that made me think like, I'm going to do the thing that I wish I'd done when I was 15. So, um, in the last podcast or before we recorded the last podcast, Greg said, do you want to bring up that you've gone into longboarding? And I'm like, no, because I still haven't figured out how to stay on it for more than 10 seconds. But now that I can stay on my longboard for extended periods and actually go in the direction I intend to go on, which is forward and not down, um, <laughs> I, I, I can, I'm happy to say that I actually, I've picked up a, picked up a longboard because of all of this and the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Cause like now I play a bit of Tony Hawk's and then I feel inspired to go out and enjoy some fresh air and like brace, embrace the idea that I'm going to like hurt myself a little bit, but learn a new skill. And that's been really fun and rewarding. And it's been a, a good excuse to get out and get some fresh air and stuff. So and that's, that's 10 my mi- update. 10 minutes after you left the park, I 
destroyed my knees. <laughs> yeah, I? you te- you texted me as I was driving and I couldn't look, but I fe- I sensed something was wrong. Because <laughs> you were like, there was like this huge hill in the park, and like I've got like this pintail longboard, so it picks up speed pretty. I like when you go downhill on these things, they pick up speed pretty quick. Hmm. And the whole point of it is to go downhill on it and enjoy like carving, which is where you kind of like turn side to side and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to go down. I'm going to try this hill because Ray's like, oh, you can handle that hill. I'm like, can I handle that hill? Because I wanted to give the hill a go. And I didn't so know what I was talking about because I didn't, I hadn't started yeah. practicing at that point. If, if you ask me now, I'd be like, no, don't brave it because yeah. that looks scary but, now. But, but you gave me, you gave me the, uh, the confidence to try the hill. So I went Correction. and tried the hill. The false confidence. <laughs> so I went and tried the hill and ended up like completely shredding my knees. And then like I got up and there's like blood streaming down my shins. And this guy's just looking at me. He's like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just grab my board and walk home, you know. But... <laughs> and then you decided to buy some shin pads, right? <laughs> some knee pads, yeah. And knee pads, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, like, I've, been, I've been actually like, I've been commuting to work on it. Oh, nice. So yeah, I've I've gotten like to the point where I can get to work because this was me as well, like deciding I wanted a longboard, probably because of Tony Hawk's. I think it was like, right. It must have been. <laughs> yeah. Like seeing that trailer and being taken back to it. Yeah. Yeah, and also I saw a lot of because um, Sophie watches a lot of like um, YouTube and TikTok and stuff, and like a lot of this stuff was coming up on her TikTok feed, like people longboarding. Hmm. So like people doing like um, longboard dance tricks and stuff and things like that. And I thought that looks pretty cool. And I like the idea of just cruising around town on a longboard. So I'll get a longboard because it's easier than walking so, <laughs> and less hassle than a bike. So, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I've been commuting to work and back on it. So, yeah, I'm getting used to it, which is cool. Nigel, Tazzy, have either of you guys picked up anything in quarantine where you're like trying to foolishly recapture your youth? Like the way me and Greg have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so similarly, something that I wanted to do when I was like 14, um, I started learning Japanese. Oh, nice. Go me. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the reason is so that I can watch anime uh, without needing to read subtitles uh, <laughs> or watching dubbed. So <laughs> one reason only. Um, <laughs> other, other than the fact that it's a cool, cool skill to have. Like I wanted to have a second language. Um, I'm always very jealous of, like, people that English isn't their first language. Um, because I feel like uh, when you're when you're from somewhere English-speaking, you just get lazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's not as much of, like, a sort of, like, need or... Yeah, there's or no any... incentive to, yeah. <laughs> to get good at something. Yeah, it's, it's such a... I, I, I find myself feeling that way sometimes and then I feel really guilty for feeling that way. Like, I wish my life was harder and I had to struggle to learn yeah. something. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Japanese, uh, which is... Sometimes I'm like, this is so easy. And then other days I'm like, this is really difficult. Don't ask me <laughs> to say anything in Japanese because I'm using Duolingo to learn. Um, but there's no speaking activities. Uh, so I try and like repeat the words. Uh, but it's mainly just like understanding is where I'm at. Um, mm. Yeah, we're still very like, not much. There's just words here and there um, that I'm uh, getting. <laughs> As someone who studied Japanese at university for three years, I would urge you to go out and find somebody you can speak with even a little bit. Because um, I feel like that 
it's one of those things where you have to get over the the confidence barrier of not wanting to like sound foolish and that's always been my problem with learning any second language including my own mother tongue is like having the fear of saying something wrong and then being laughed at but like you kind of just have to do it otherwise because it makes such a big difference to your progress so yeah yeah definitely i feel that's the key for japanese in particular because i do remember uh once upon a time trying to learn some japanese before going to japan and felt like i had a a decent handle on it and i think i don't think we left the airport but i spoke to a japanese uh, an old japanese couple and they were so happy that uh, i had said something in japanese that they then began to speak to me in japanese and that was the moment <laughs> i realized i do not know japanese <laughs> um, so yeah talking to people it will tell you where you are really yeah I've definitely felt that where like I say the first sentence of a phrase really confidently because I've practiced it for months yeah. and then they go off script and I'm like no that's not yeah, no, no, the way this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. to go. Yeah. Stick, stick to the script. This is not what I learned. This is not a free form conversation. This is like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um and then the other thing that I've started to learn uh, but haven't been as good with practicing uh, is guitar. Again, I always wanted to learn guitar mm. or just an instrument in general. And I've kind of like started to pick up different instruments here and there. Um, I used to be able to play the recorder really well, if that counts. <laughs> oh, that definitely counts. <laughs> um, in primary school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, I don't know, I always like think guitar players are like so cool. Uh, and so I, I started learning it years ago. Uh, through Rocksmith, the game. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Where you plug in a real guitar, for anyone that doesn't know, you plug in a real guitar and uh, it kind of like teaches you how to play. It's like, it's like rock band, but with a real guitar kind of mm. thing. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, it's more difficult than Japanese to me. So <laughs> I get really frustrated. Uh, because my fingers will not move <laughs> where I want them to move. And I don't know how they're physically ever going to be able to play chords. But apparently it's a thing. And eventually I will. Uh, just got to keep at it. So <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. Um, but yeah, hopefully soon I'll be able to like play at least a song. Nice. Somewhere. What We'll be expecting a few licks from you the next time you're on. <laughs> I should, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I should probably pick up Rocksmith. Does it work with bass guitars? Yeah, so you can have, yeah, you can play yeah. lead guitar, bass, or... Uh, or rhythm. Rhythm. And you can you can switch awesome. between, switch between uh, the three, uh, yeah. and it will like just give you different progress on all three, like three different saves, kind of. Yeah, that's cool, because I've got a bass guitar that's been sitting there doing nothing for years. Mm. So I should probably try to learn to play that again at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Literally, all you need is the... I mean, you don't even need the cable. Yeah. Um, you can do it through mic if you're, if you're using it on PC. Um, yeah. And okay. it will just pick up the notes on the mic. Um, and then, yeah, but I think it's better using the real tone cable. Yeah. So, but it's I have really to good. Check that out. I have to check that out. There's like mini games and everything. You can like play some retro esque uh, mini games that use a, use the different either different chords or different frets. Because um, I know that word now, <laughs> and I actually know what it means. 
<laughs> to like navigate the the games. It's pretty cool. See, I always I, I always used to get frustrated with bass guitar because the frets are really wide. Because mm. I've got this huge jazz bass, um, like electric bass guitar, but it's got like really big, massive frets on it, and like I don't have the largest hands in the world, so. I like my hands aren't Donald Trump small, but they're pretty small. So like trying to like stretch my fingers to press like to to hold down strings on different frets at each time. Like apparently like it, you get used to it and your hands stretch out, but it's like ooh, you know, yeah. it's hard. I think medium sized hands are like the best hands for guitar because I have the, like I have really long fingers. Like I've compared my hands to other people and I realize that they're only ever the same size or bigger uh, than people purely on finger length and what happens with me is my particularly my little finger but all my fingers kind of like curl in at the end and where they're so long it like <laughs> it's it, they just curl back to the the start point so they all end up on the same like fret <laughs> and it's like yeah. how <laughs> how <laughs> catch me here just staring at my stubby hand sadly <laughs> <laughs> could be worse you could be a t-rex <laughs> That's true. That'd be awesome. That too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it is time to move on to the comic. So, as I've already introduced at the beginning of this episode, we are discussing Marvel's 1991 Weapon X arc, which is the... I want to say it's not the origin of Wolverine. It's an, an origin of Wolverine. It's like Wolverine's second Genesis. And uh, the reason we're picking this up today is kind of like in direct reply to the fact that I went and discussed Logan with the Mayamada guys. So you can go and listen to their Logan cast and um, and in and, and how Logan is an ending and Weapon X is a beginning. And, in, and you can actually see when you read Weapon X how that might have informed Logan in some way with the the way that the um the way that the trauma that wolverine experiences in weapon x then informs his behavior throughout and also informs the way they wrote the logan character for logan i guess um so let's uh, dive in with some first impressions so uh guess first so uh start with nigel again nigel what do you reckon uh so I was not expecting the story that I read. This was a, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It was like, it reminded me of, um, I don't know if you ever, uh, well, you must've watched The Simpsons. If you remember, there was an episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer takes over for Krusty the Clown for a period of time. And he does this uh, show at a new like restaurant opening and he doesn't quite he hasn't read the script and there's like a their version of the hamburglar and um homer basically turns on him he's like he's trying to steal the burgers and he just like beats him and beats him and beats him <laughs> and then one of the kids in the crowd just goes like stop stop he's already dead <laughs> and that's how i feel about logan <laughs> in this it's like the punishment that this guy goes through is is intense like i wow i, I yeah i just i wasn't expecting because um a lot of my uh, sort of image of Wolverine, because uh, I, when I was younger, I'd like I'd watch like the X Men uh, cartoons were like some of my favourites, and um, so a lot of my knowledge of Wolverine comes from sort of, sort of mainstream TV, um, and this just added like another layer of depth to that character and made me think about Logan the film a lot differently, 
have like way more sympathy for Logan <laughs> now it's just like this guy's been through some stuff because he is so mistreated in this uh, uh, in this story but yeah I like the because it's very um, focused like it doesn't there's not many locations there's not many characters it's, it's very focused and very like brutal uh, in, in some sense so I really like how it's been put together and I think we'll go into it a bit more like how like sort of, sort of panels and particularly like um arrangement of speech bubbles uh has been yeah. done to add to that <laughs> that uh that atmosphere so yeah it it was a surprising read right i enjoyed the um yeah the themes and the 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 feelings that <laughs> it, it stirred up yeah um tazi let's get your first impressions um where do i add to what nigel said <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, pretty much like very similar impressions, though I did not think about comparing it to that specific episode of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My mind goes weird. <laughs> but yeah, like just it's so cruel. It's so cruel. It's such a good story. Um, but yeah, really, really a, a very dark I almost felt like I was reading something from DC because uh, <laughs> I normally sort of think Marvel tends to be the kind of more lighthearted uh, side of things and DC is normally the darker sort well, of. And this, <clears throat> this totally flipped my opinions. <laughs> yeah, Marvel, Marvel goes to some dark places, um, especially in the kind of like, you've got what they call the dark age of comics, which is sort of i think the dark age might have been coming to an end when this came out but it, it like you get some pretty um some pretty raw stuff from marvel around that kind of time so you get some pretty bloodthirsty stuff some like uh some punishes like some of the punisher stories that were published and that kind of stuff like it gets it goes to some pretty dark places um so i'm not entirely surprised that this happened especially with a character like wolverine where he was his books like wolverine books and wolverine stories are always um a little bit more towards the edge than most other characters and i think it's because wolverine is supposed to have the reputation of being a a mean you know he's the best at what he does and what he does is you know kill people so <laughs> that's that's wolverine but yeah um, Ray, because I know this will be the first time you've read this as well. This will be the first time I'd ever heard of this. Um, so I, I think uh, I think Nigel's reference to the Homie the Clown episode is is spot on. I'm going to have to go back and like f keep that in mind when I reread this. Um, and Tazzy's point about it feeling more DC like, I think I I agree with both of those things, especially it feeling like what I what I have in my head as a DC story, having not read a ton of Marvel or a ton of DC. Um, I, I think the stories that I knew of the Wolverine or Logan have all been informed by things like the movies and I guess the more popular uh, comic stories um, that I would have, you know, picked up along the way. Um, but I think, like, I feel like I knew a portion of what he went through uh, from things like X-Men 2 or X2 and... Uh, how it's, you know, all about um, Logan going back to Canada and confronting um, Colonel Stryker and all of that. And, like, I'm not a purist. I'm not someone who gets upset by the the films not matching the comic or anything. So I was pleasantly surprised to find that this 
delved in much more deeply to like the trauma that he went through because I um, I feel like the, the comic is split into three main bits like there's a prologue and then there's a really extended sequence about the bonding of the adamantium to his bones and the development process of turning Logan into the Wolverine and like it's a good half of the comic I think um, like right in the center <clears throat> and I wasn't expecting it to be such a such a drawn out thing but I think it's a brilliant move like they focus on so many different specific points of torture and inhumanity like it really gives you a different insight into why he is the way he is and then also how much it means for him to have come away from that after he met Professor X so yeah I I, I really I really dug this I thought it was a better focused Logan story than Old Man Logan was I think I've been on record on this podcast saying that I didn't like Old Man Logan that much I like the fact I realized afterwards it's a retroactive origin story, if I'm not mistaken. So they they hadn't really cemented an idea of how Logan became the Wolverine until this story. Am I right or wrong on that, Greg? Yeah. So this is kind of like the... This is the first... I think this is the first time they, they showed it. Right. So they certainly said, yes, this is what, you know, Wolverine was an experiment and this happened and whatever but mm. they hadn't actually shown it like this yeah like, like i get the feeling because yeah. i've never again not, never having read the comics but i get the feeling that all of his backstory would have been given as like uh in context dialogue or like the comic booky sort of speech bubbles with an asterisk saying you know mm. uh, logan was uh, an experiment by the weapon x development program blah 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 um but yeah, I like how much of that detail and how much of the moment-to-moment we get in here. And I think I was also specifically pleased to find that it's kind of a tonal piece. It was a lot more... I don't know how to say this without coming ac- across as a pejorative to like all other Marvel comics or whatever. But like, it feels like it's a self-contained thing. It feels like it, it works as a like a, a piece of literature on its own, which is what I like from these kind of comics. I like the fact that... <clears throat> Like, all of the, the, the dialogue and the artworks in tandem, it's not, uh, uh, you know, the, the dialogue doesn't bog down the art, like I feel like it does in some other kind of comics where, I don't know, they're not, it's not working in concert with each other. And I like the fact that it's not sensational in the way that it's like, I wish I had a better vocabulary for this stuff, but like, the thing that you think of when you think of, like, comic booky in the 90s sense, where it's schlocky and there's lots of exclamation points and stuff you know what i mean like i feel like i like yeah, that I was this was quite that grounded mm. like, it, like it almost to me felt like so if you if you have someone who's not into comics and maybe has a, <clears throat> a perception of comics as like just for kids this is something mm. like for me that it breaks that and that's not to say like you said it's not to say like everything else is is bad it's just like i feel like i could i could show this to to someone who who maybe has a sort of more negative view of comics and they'll go oh I didn't know comics could do this. This is not what I expected. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think uh, Larry Hammer's... I don't know if the, the version you read had this uh, preamble or introduction yeah. by, by yeah, Larry yeah. Hammer. But I think that... It's it's a little bit... I don't want to use the word pretentious, but it's a little bit, like, over-egged. But he goes into saying, like, look how this comic does this specific thing in this specific way and how it doesn't rely on these sort of um, cartoonish tropes. And I think all of that rings really true. Um, Like, I like how, I guess, just literary it felt. And I was, yeah, I was overall very, very pleased with this. Yeah, it's more like a a sci-fi horror than a a superhero origin story. 
which oh, it's definitely is, like a body horror movie yeah. yeah yeah which which is what i kind of really dug about it and mm. i <clears throat> i don't know it just for me it just cements the character of wolverine and after reading it it like because i i read this a, a a long long time ago the first time i read this but like after reading this um and then going back through and reading other wolverine stories again or looking at wolverine in other stories and things like that and just how this informs the way you then look at Wolverine going forward, mm. um, which is something Nigel touched on um, when he was talking about his first impressions of it, but how this ripples out, informs and changes your perception of Wolverine and gives you kind of like some context for some of his behavior. And just in the way it is very DC uh, in places, I can, I can feel that myself. Like it's very of the time as well. So 1991, um, you can imagine a 1991 Batman story having a similar kind of opening where he's, you know, when he's uh, the first few pages where he's staying at the prophecy. And, you know, you, you've got him, like, uh, swimming in pills and alcohol, trying to <laughs> get away from the fact that he's a mutant because he, he's, you know, he's a, he's a man at odds with his own nature at that point. And what the Weapon X program actually does is freeze him from that. So, yes, it's harrowing and painful and everything else, but what, what they do is they strip away the humanity... And they free him from that. And out, come, out of the other end comes the adamantium bone berserker that we know today. Um, and it's, it is like the birth of a berserker. Like, it's just, just all kind of like hot red spray and war drums. It's just... <laughs> that's that's what, I, what I get when I read it. I can hear distant war drums. There's fire on the horizon. And we're just in the battlefield with Logan. The battlefield, that is Logan's life. Like, his whole life is just one big fight. And this is where things sort of like... This is where you can, you can trace it back to... I mean, like, this isn't... Because there's another origin story that was published which is kind of like the true origin of Wolverine, which is when he was born as a sickly child in colonial Canada and then grew up and his mutant powers manifested and things like that. And like, cause Logan's old, right? So this man is like, he's already hundreds of years old by this point, maybe a hundred and something years old by this mm. point. Um, and he's just been like wandering around just, drifting basically just trying to hide who he is and then this happens and they take all his memories away from him as well so this is what this is logan getting reborn basically losing his memories reborn as what we know him today as the wolverine with the the, the steel claws and everything else but i think the adamantium uh, claws even sorry yeah but onto that point i think I like how this comic doesn't trade in the cliches or all of the things that you know about Wolverine from all the other media. Like, even having read this, you know, decades and decades after, after they made the movies, which obviously, um, you know, make allusions to all the, all the comics for the decades that I haven't read them in there. Like, I'm still getting something from this which isn't, like I said, isn't trading in the cliché, isn't trading in, like, the bullet point version of what Wolverine is to the yeah. general audience. Um yeah, it's very cool. Uh, yeah. Should we go into the actual plot and give, I guess, can we start moving into spoiler territory for this? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So, I mean, like, 
obviously this is your warning now because we're going to talk about this pretty deep and we're going to go through the plot and everything else. So if you haven't read it, this is your chance to go and read it and then come back and listen to us. Um, but yeah, let's dive in. So the plot is Logan is down on his look. He's a down and out drifter. He's sort of like going from bed sit to bed sit, um, drinking, getting into fights. Um, I think he's, uh, he's in the special forces at that point anyway, isn't he? I think from one of the documents we see early on that he was either kicked out or left the military. Yeah, for for his behaviour. So he's mm. already he's a veteran, basically, is the impression we get. Mm. Um, and he's going to the you know the gun, uh, the firing range, and things like that. And he's just he's got this unche- he's got this aggression that he can't he can't seem to get away from it. This this kind of like urge to to hurt and this animalistic urge that just kind of like rises up in him that he can't seem to escape, no matter how much he tries to drown it out. Or, or, or sate it in some way, like going to a firing range, doing something violent, getting into fights every night at the bar, you know. Um, and he is abducted by some shady characters who have a real hard time taking him down. Um, eventually manage to take him down and they bring him to uh, the Canadian wilderness, to the Weapon X facility where the humanity is stripped from him. Um, he undergoes a kind of rebirth uh they 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 line his bones with adamantium they well before we get too deep into into that bit all the things that happen at the the military base should we can we discuss the the prologue and all the events leading up to him waking up on that table yeah we can discuss the prologue let's go for it so where do you want to start ray (laughs) well uh, right at the beginning like i wanted to say how uh disorienting this setup is and yeah. at first, I was like a little bit irritated by it because um, the very first thing that I noticed about it was the panels are not in the order you expect them in. The yeah. dialogue isn't occurring in the spaces you would expect them to come in. And then it took me like three or four pages to realize I was meant to be tracking three or four different principal characters, which is Logan himself, the professor, who we don't actually find out their name, but apparently does have one um, in later comics or something. And uh, one of the scientists, which is Dr. Cornelius, I think. And, like, the professor's recruitment of these people who are now going to be very influential in the things that happen to Logan once he gets captured. And, like like I was saying, I was a little bit irritated at first because it felt very disorienting. But then I realised, I guess that's the point. Like, if we're looking at it from Logan's perspective, where he's drifting day to day and then is suddenly captured and doesn't know what's happening to him i think that's a really effective way of showing Mm. that disorientation how how did you guys feel about that he knows something's coming Mm. yeah he kind of alludes to it right from the beginning yeah prophecy is a theme in that chapter because he knows something's coming and it's like they they kind of foreshadow it by showing you uh, snippets of what's going on in the lab with them testing the adamantium bonding process on rats and stuff and primates and just flashes of the research that's carried out on the animal test subjects and then Wolverine, you know, comes back to Wolverine. Uh, like, he almost knows something's going to happen. He knows he needs to try and escape because he knows they're getting too close to him or something uh, because he's talking about escaping to Canada anyway, taking a train up north and getting out. Um 
and yeah the way the way that it actually plays with the the, the layout of the page to to kind of do that to to give you kind of like three separate tracks and to to kind of disorientate you in some way so that it feels um it feels like a storm when you're reading it mm. and I, I hadn't realized that those little intercut panels were as you say like rodents and other things they were experimenting on i did wonder what that was and figured it was just a tonal thing to just put me on edge but that's a really good insight i think greg it's them perfecting the yeah. process to get yeah. up to wolverine kind of thing to get up to trusting mm. it on people which would be logan um and like even the way it's lettered in 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 a way it's almost like you know when you see some poems and poems are are placed on the page in a very specific way to produce a very specific effect so you you'll see a poem that's five lines long and those five lines will be placed on the page in a very specific way as part of the poem itself this is lettered in in that way it's not lettered in the way that you are to look at it and to to know who's talking when and to know the progress of time through a conversation, which would be the normal way a comic would be lettered. Mm. It's lettered to to kind of give like a in some places to give an impression of ambience, ambient noise, things happening at the same time as other things, and also in a way that it is kind of like a, a a poem in places like it's lettered in a way that it is supposed to be poetic yeah it definitely took me like a while to get used to reading this but never comfortable because it kind of is the point to be uncomfortable <laughs> yeah um and, like, felt well. yeah so i kind of felt that like while reading it at first it was like a, a little bit difficult to to follow but then sort of once you come to terms that that's kind of part of it um it makes makes it a lot easier to get like absorbed into that that sort of like disorientation and um yeah kind of like settle into this unsettledness (laughs) i was was thinking like interestingly in terms of like um the the speech as well because i think it was mentioned in the intro so I, i kind of uh, acknowledged it but I didn't really get it until I sort of read through it that so it has the speech bubbles but then it also has um, well first of all the speech bubbles the way they're arranged is you they're not arranged in the, in the same order like you said and they're kind of you have to there's like a, a fluidity to them I guess that matches with the whole disorientation thing but uh, I also noticed like the so it has the speech bubbles and then the the uh, the boxes like the, which are usually like narration boxes but here it's like all speech so it kind of gives you that someone's talking, but you don't you don't see where they're talking from or who they are or yeah where they are specifically. So that kind of adds to that like well what's going on like who's this person speaking? Um, like yeah, just giving that uh, added confusion I guess. So I, I also yeah. found it uh, somewhat hard to follow. But then there was a point I don't know where, but you kind of get used to it and it sort of it it clicks in, but definitely like the way the the boxes are arranged and um just it it forces you to sort of i guess in a way pay attention because there were points where i had to reread pages just to make sure i had the right flow like i was actually going from Mm. the right panel um to make sure i knew what was going on 
but you can read them in multiple ways because a lot of the time on that page, several things are happening at once and mm. it doesn't matter which one you turn your attention to first, you'll always feel like you're looking at the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's supposed to feel like that. And and you've got like um, some of the um, the narration boxes and things like what you were saying there where it's like uh, you're not sure who it's coming from or where it's coming from. It's like the perspective that this book gives you is it's all from the perspective of the scientist. Um, the only mm. bits where it's Logan's voice is the first chapter and, the, and there's a part of the last chapter where it's Logan. Logan's narration, Logan's inner voice. But for the most of it, it's it's from the point of view of the, the scientists and the people involved in the Weapon X project. And it's almost as if we're observing the monitors that they're looking at or we're looking at Logan in the tube through their eyes. Well, that's interesting, though, because like, so first of all, um, the thing about having speech bubbles and then the 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 square text boxes, which are normally like non-diegetic language or dialogue or whatever, and that being spoken in the scene which is already breaking some of the rules and conventions we expect from comics like that's already difficult to to pass but then what you were saying greg like it's from the point of view of the scientist but the the dialogue is from the point of view of the scientist but i feel like the art is from the point of view of like logan's shifting memory or like his thinking back on what what happened to him because i think that's the framework is it's it's unclear to me at the start whether what we see in the prologue is happening before the events in the lab or a bit afterwards because there's a bit where like he's waking up from the nightmare and is that a nightmare that he's lived through or the nightmare that he doesn't realize he's about to live through you know what i mean and like when it goes into the like the colored text boxes for the different scientists and professor and heinz etc talking over scenes of him being like dipped into the fluid and like his hair growing back what time frame is that happening in? It feels like they're happening on two different parallel tracks, but they yeah. still make sense because it's like the scientists are narrating over a memory that they're not aware of. They just happen to exist in that space. I think that's a really interesting combination of like actually two different points of view, but it's so subtle that you kind of just roll with it because it's it's almost cinematic in that way where you expect in cinema sometimes to see stuff that's happening on screen that doesn't relate to the audio you're hearing mm. and i've i don't recall many times i've experienced that in a comic i want to add to that because for me it kind of felt like um you know uh after logan's been ab- abducted uh, it felt like oh okay this is kind of like a log of the from the scientist point of view like everything we're viewing and seeing is kind of like the scientist point of view but then as we sort of like progress and especially like towards the end, I started to feel more like the same thing, like it's memory or it's it's disorientated thought. Um, and it, I like for me, it, it just reminded me of like having an operation and uh, mm. like that p- point. And I always used to like whenever I'd wake up from an operation, be that point where uh, like, and it kind of happens like when you wake up from, sleeping and you're kind of in that middle ground between sleep and the awake uh and that kind of like really weird disorientation where you can hear people speaking about you over you uh but you kind of can't quite grasp what's happening um and for me like as it went on it was more logan's memory of it uh and like this weird shift and I don't know what point it shifted to that for me but definitely kind of like 
this yeah just a place where it is it could be both it could be either or it could be both um mm. and like yeah but just that kind of your memories but not not well in this case logan's memories but not really uh quite there yeah and i think yeah. that's such a delicate balancing act as well because that could easily become so disorienting that you have no idea what's happening but there's something there's some mastery happening with the the square boxes and mm. the art that they're relating to that just makes it work there's something holistic there that is just clicking and not not throwing me too far off the curve they kind of that, hold it all together and yeah like even in those scenes where you see him getting abducted and it's mixed in with the scenes of him already like being experimented on it's like like you're saying it's, it's you know what's happening when but the i guess the those narration boxes are all along the same i guess the same theme or the same thought so it everything sort of is it stitches everything together so you're kind of still following along even with these disorientated um yeah um panels and and events that are happening it is a tale that could have been I think this is it's it, this is like the what we talk what we're coming on to now is we're coming on to the density of it and the way that they managed to get so much information across in such a short amount of time, which is why the page is often broken up into um, different sized panels and like a lot of panels um, and things like that because they're trying to convey a lot of information uh, in a small amount of time because they've only got eight pages per chapter because it's part of an anthology series. And if you read anthology comics, you'll find that they do, the, 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 the job is like when, you, when you've got like an ongoing story through, anthology, uh, through an anthology comic, what they, like the, the, the whole way that they usually do it is they try to cram as much information in as possible in the pages they're given. And it, it, I guess that, that contributes to the beauty of it because that's what gives it its density and the fact that it's it's something that you don't see every day because it's a it's collated anthology story. It's a collated story from an anthology book, and um, I think that is like why it works so well as a whole as well, and why it's so cohesive and everything else is is the and and why it it's so succinct and and I mean it's, it's it's a short book and you can read it within the space of an hour or so but it's also a book that you could take your time over because you could stretch all of it out in your mind and you could turn the 120 odd pages into 150 or uh, like 220 odd pages or whatever, because you could stretch it out and you could certainly see how some of these pages could actually be more than one page if they were laid out differently. Hmm. But to, to that thing, I, I mean, you know how much I hate, like textual exposition in my comics because I want to be delivered like a picture story <laughs> from my <laughs> comics. Um, I never felt talked at in this. I don't think I ever felt like it was throwing like Inception style exposition at me. Like I was always feeling in the moment and because all of it is being spoken to another character in the scene, it's not, I don't feel like it's written for the audience in that way and it feels very natural. Mm. And I was never bored basically is what I'm trying to say because I often feel really bored by text in comics. Um, yeah, and it's very engaging. I get yeah. that. A lot of, of the... like early comics like were really bad at that. They'll 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 draw the thing that's happening and then use 
<laughs> often in narration boxes to then say what is happening mm. in the images mm. that I'm seeing. And this does none of that. I guess because it, it takes the narration boxes for speech. So there is no point really where it's out and out telling you this is what's happening. It's just, no. it's all, like you say, it's all in the moment. Yeah, or if they are somehow using language to duplicate what's happening on in the panel, it's for a tonal purpose. It's not to mm. describe the same thing twice. It's to give you extra context. Like, um, like just there's there's little things that I like with him just saying like the word dagger hands while he's got his hands above his uh, head and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It feels very um, I don't know. It adds to the tone of it uh, instead mm. of being just. Uh, dis- uh, didactic as Leon would say so this this book is like entirely the work of one man he is like the whole creative team uh, with some assistance uh, so it's uh, writing an art is by Barry Windsor Smith and uh, he also letters the book and he has some assistance from Jim Novak for lettering but you can tell that this is all kind of like from this is one person's project and like he's kind of a law to unto himself with it. And that kind of works in its favor as well Mm. because he has, he's done what he wanted to do and he's conveyed it in the way that he wanted to convey it. So yeah, yeah, that, that works wonders. So yeah, I mean like moving on from the, the opening chapter, we're then sort of like brought into the bulk of the book, which is Logan on the operating table and undergoing some very, very invasive, very, very painful procedures, almost torture. And the, from mostly from the point of view of the the scientists working on him and the scientists in the facility uh we we get to see how this goes and what happens to him and and like them explaining the procedures in in quite you know quite detailed way and even the comic explaining the procedures in quite a detailed way so we get we get like probably like two or three chapters of this don't we yeah yeah and 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 not only are and and not only are they like bonding his bones with adamantium and things like that they're also stripping away his humanity and trying to turn him into a weapon they're like performing procedures on his nervous system and linking him to a control panel and things like that so that they can they can use him as like an android almost like a remote control weapon like his internal struggle against that, I suppose as well, because he does fight back. Like even, even in, uh, even unconscious, he's fighting back. He's still fighting. He's still raging away. Like this, 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 this barbarian cannot be stopped kind of thing, you know? As they were doing these, um, torture, I was going to say experiment, but let's go torture, (laughs) prolonged torture. Um, the, so all the imagery in the, in the book is like, it's really close in. So it really gives you that, that feeling of your uh sort of like again in the moment like it's all yeah you're seeing close up of logan's uh his face his uh his hands as the the claws are sort of making their way out you see like sort of the blood coming out as well and it's and it's all very close even when the the scientists and the professor uh, uh they're talking you're seeing people's a lot of the time like close up of, of people so that's yeah it all gives it like a feeling of your you're almost like there in the room while while this uh, this torture is is happening yeah and like dreaming about himself um because because there's there's points where they um they've got his mind hooked up to the monitors and things and uh yeah 
you get to see the the images that are sort of like running through his head via because it's the feedback that he gives um and you've got like these kind of like really brutal striking images of of his adamantium bonded skeleton in bright colors like that that's one of the things actually about this book like the just the rawness and the brutality of it with like these really heavy lines and really bright colors these the, the, the vibrancy of the blood when the blood sprays and things like that and and how it just kind of like leaps off the page in that way um, and then you've got these like very vibrant, very brutal images of, of him putting his his, uh, his claws through um, the professor's face and um, his adamantium bonded skeleton and him imagining his adamantium bonded skeleton while he's on the slab because he, he's aware in some way of what they're doing to him. Yeah, mm. that's really unsettling, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, and he's also like very vulnerable and it's such a, a strange thing to see to see Wolverine like so vulnerable and portrayed like in such a physically vulnerable way. Um, and it kind of, it adds to, to how cruel these, yeah, this torture is. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really wasn't expecting such vivid depictions of pain in this. Like there's a couple of scenes or a couple of pages where, as you were saying, Greg, you get to see into like, Logan's mindscape while he's being while he's, he's going under this process and there's a bit where like I don't know there's these like sinewy sort of spider bones uh, you know ejecting from his head and like what have you done to me and like pain 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 and like I really wasn't expecting this level of body horror I thought maybe the invasive body horror but I wasn't expecting like the the metamorphosis kind of body horror which isn't actually what ends up happening to him it's more a representation of the you know the the physical pain he's going through. I thought that was really vivid and honestly quite upsetting because um, it's so horrific as well. And like th- the points you guys were making about, you know, whether it's torture or procedure or whatever, I think it's it's interesting that what he's going through isn't intended as torture because the professor has a point. He's, you know, he's got some benefactors who are asking him to do work to um, make this person into a weapon. But the glibness of these characters like the Mm. glibness of the professor who is out and out evil like he's manipulative evil um but even cornelius but like cornelius is i mean clearly also very evil but to in a in a more hypocritical way because he they they wax philosophical him and heinz also wax very philosophical about like is this the right thing to do and there's multiple moments including towards the end like you know yeah. could we have could should we have followed these orders is this the right thing who are we doing this for what is the point but they still go ahead and do it they yeah. only question yeah. it in a philosophical sense and not in a moral yeah. in a we practical should actually, <laughs> yeah, we should actually practical not do sense. this yeah mm. it's and very then, much like the sort of um i'm just following orders kind of thing you go yeah the way. it gives you permission to, to do horrible things but then the professor kind of like switches from like hunger for completing the project and wanting to see his work come to fruition mm. to just enjoying the fact that he's subjugating this superior, like, cause Logan is Homer superior and he's like enjoying the fact that he is, you know, subjugating Logan in that way. Mm. Like he's enjoying that he has this control over Logan, like in the, the, the bit where he pours the hot coffee on Logan's face while he's on the floor. Yeah. After one of the tests where they've got him hooked up to the control panel. Well, because they foreshadow that as a point of him trying to test the limits of what's happening with Logan so he doesn't suddenly yeah. wake up. Because we're, we're 
we've been made acutely aware that yeah. Logan's internal monologue is kill the professor because he's doing this to me. And yeah. so we get we, we get Cornelius sort of after a really difficult day and the professor's being a massive douche about like mm. uh, like very hypocritical about um, the uh, like the behavior of the yeah. staff because Stuff, they're being yeah. quite glib and also like jokey about the horrific acts they're doing and he's like you should have a bit more you know reverence for the process we're doing and you're you know should be more professional but then Cornelius at the end says we know that you're concerned about your own safety because that's all you really care about and I know that you just want to spit in Logan's eye to test whether he's going to wake up or not and at that point like is it it's i like the mixing of the two things where he's doing it out of fear because he wants to check if there's a reaction going to happen and also the subjugation and yeah. like I, I love there's one hint in it uh, at this really early on where like um cornelius hands him the control for the first time and says you know we're ready to set this up and you can start talking to him and controlling him and test whether it works and he starts saying things like you have one master and it's me you will do anything i say and cornelius interrupts him and says it's, like, it's not oh, even what? switched on yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a strangely like comical moment in yeah. in in this, yeah. in this horrible like procedure. But we get multiple moments of like that kind of characterization, which I again I wouldn't expect from this because from such a short work where there's a density to the characters of like actually having some personality. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, there's some very deft moments there. The professor kind of has this um, this grand image of himself. He's got like like delusions of grandeur. And even talks in that way, like, it is I, the professor, kind of thing. And he's, like, very, you know, and, and he wants to be in charge. And he, want, he, he believes himself the smartest man in the room wherever he goes. But a lot of the time, he's getting shown up that he's not the smartest man in the room. Like, there's times where he's trying to operate a console and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he fucks up. And the other guys are, like, looking at him like, you know, I could have shown, just shown you how to do that, but you wouldn't let me because you wanted to be the smartest man in the room yeah. kind of thing. And it, he's got that, he's got this real kind of like, he ends up coming off a fool a lot of times. Even down to like his designs not being used or not yeah. being exactly how he designed it. And they're like, well, you know, we, we had to yeah. make it work <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. And um, he's just so infuriated that it's just not exactly... Uh, the 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 idea that he had, um, but you know they had to they had yeah. to make it function, uh, <laughs> and his way just wasn't functionable. Yeah, I like that we get some sort of hierarchy, uh, micromanagement, like office politics sort of stuff mm. in this yeah. torturous story. <laughs> yeah, it's just humanity, isn't it? Just like you can't escape yeah. office politics, <laughs> and and things like when he's talking to his superior on the uh, the other radio when they're doing the procedure and he's like Heinz is because Heinz kind of like does she not show him up slightly with the heart monitors or something oh, and he's she, like yeah yeah and he's like she's practically a typist or something like this mm. like and it's just so funny how he's trying to assert his authority and his superiority over everyone else but he knows Logan's superior to him and that's why he's frightened of Logan and that's why he needs to control Logan. And he's got like this, this, this kind of like the, the fear and the need to control Logan kind of goes side by side. Um, and then like we come to possibly one of my favorite parts, actually, um, which happens before the coffee, but we'll come to that. But my favorite bit is where they're doing like the first field test. And this is kind of like I call this like the the baptism of Logan, like Logan's like 
Logan's violent baptism, like the, the, the kind of like the, the baptism of the berserker, as it were, where they put him out in the, in the snow and make him fight the wolves. Hmm. And that is probably one of my favorite sections of the book because it's just, that is like the, the whole of this book, like all the raw brutality in this book distilled into one sequence of pages right there. Logan covered in sheep's blood fighting wolves, like just, just apex predators tearing chunks out of each other. And that is like everything, the brutality of this book all distilled into one. And then we get these like these raw close up images of the, the inside of his arms with the adamantium bonded to the bone and everything like almost like they're studying and explaining this apex predator in a David Attenborough-esque way. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you know, thinking that. Yeah. And, and that is, that's like my favorite section of it, of the book and, and what that represents and, and then him being left to sleep in his own gore. Yeah, by yeah, the professor because yeah. yeah because the professor's well, frightened of him <laughs> the professor leaves him out like there's some some yeah. weird point that he's trying to make by letting him sit in the in his yeah. own viscera it's yeah yeah and like, like everyone else is kind of like are you sure i think we should we should probably bring him in it's like no yeah we'll toughen him up <laughs> it's weird because i think it goes beyond fear greg i think there's like because you know how you're saying like uh, like David Attenborough there's there's a bit yeah. where all of this violence is happening and you get you know that it's a professor talking because the boxes are yeah. green and he's like look at that the perfect synthesis of human trabecular blah 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 like pontificating about like how beautiful this, uh, yeah. this you know horror show is yeah. and I feel like he's basically trying to like make this narrative for for Logan um, but then it it sort of drops back down to reality where you get these three shots of Logan like just sprawled out on the ground and there's nothing poetic or beautiful or like cathartic about the story that's being told there. It's just a, a man that's been tortured who's been left out in the cold after having to fight for his life. Like it's, I, I find the professor's sort of grandiosity coming out a lot in this section and it's, yeah. I, I don't think it is about his fear. I think he's like reveling in what he's mm-hmm. able to have done and building his own story up around it. And when he's finished and the claws coming out with the final roar and they're like, he's in pain and, and the press like, no, he's not in pain. It's, it's not pain. It's, uh, it's like he wants to like, um, he, he enjoys it. He's enjoying this. Mm. He's enjoying like he's been, cause he's like now been stripped of his humanity. This is like his basest instincts mm. as, as he's the berserker free. Wolverine and he's free. Yeah. And he's enjoying this is his baptism kind of thing, as I keep putting it. So, yeah, yeah, and and that roar when he's like with the claws out, like <sighs> with the blue background and whatever, and that is like to me every every time Logan does that onwards from there. After reading that panel, it is echoed, and mm-hmm. even when he does it in the film. So let's go back to the Logan movie that final scene where he's running through the woods after taking all the medicine and he lets out that massive roar and he goes on his last berserker run his last brutal berserker run to take down the um the 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 reavers yeah and it's it's that panel right there it really really is yeah and it's just like the whole savage atmosphere just completely just like in that one section there where they're testing with the wolves and and like what I, this is like Heinz is like, at this point, she's still turning her back away from it and everything. She's still turning away from it and like, I can't watch this, you know, but 
as, as you go through the story as well, Heinz slowly gets desensitized to it all. Yeah. Like at this point, she's like, it's and, and she's got more um, more regard for the the test animals than she has for Logan. <laughs> she seems more worried about the wolves than she does about Logan. It's like, <laughs> and then there's like a really sort of sharp toned point that she makes in a because I think the professor's like send out more and she's like more of the wolves and she's like there is no more. Yeah, but it seems so sharp. Like, yeah. And yeah. I feel like she does she does show points um that she seems to sort of be a bit concerned uh for the fact that Logan's in pain and then like you said she's she gets desensitized. Um yeah. but I feel like she still often comments on it mm. throughout the whole of it. She's constantly the one to comment on like And you've got to remember pain, like... calls him calls him Logan still. Uh, yeah over weapon x you gotta remember like back in 1991 there were no this you wouldn't have had a superhero origin story like this Uh, this is like this was probably the first thing of its kind um i mean now when we read comics we're used to getting kind of like prestige stories that that kind of play with the the format and the the they play like it with this is like i mean published by marvel and because there's always been indies and stuff but i mean like published by marvel and dc comics that play with the format and play with the um the genre and everything else uh they play with genre they play with format and they play with um the way that they display it all on the page and they play with the way that they tell the stories about the characters that are already so well established and you know like that's they play with the formula and and at, at this point, this was something that was like br- brand new because of the way it plays with the formula. Because it's a Wolverine, because it's not the Wolverine you would have known. It's really not. This is like something else entirely. It's it's like Ray Rahul calls it. It's like a, a a body horror slasher movie type thing that just like that is relentlessly violent, which. At the time, this would not be something that you know. This would not be Wolverine. This would have been really jarring if you'd have, if you'd have read Wolverine comics or X Men comics and then come on to this because you're like, oh, another Wolverine story. This would have been really jarring, I think. Yeah, I can imagine that. Do you do you have a idea of how like it was received when it first came out? Um, I I actually don't. Uh, I'm going to admit that I don't. It's um, the only thing that I know about it is that it was it must have been pretty well received because it it got printed in a trade pretty quickly after that. Okay. So it was something that I think um, was pretty pretty well loved and pretty well received because it got collected and, and printed in a, a, a trade and is is quite highly regarded from then onwards. I think so. Okay. I think people saw the quality of the work then and there. Because it was so different and it was something else. It was something that kind of in the same way Watchmen went, where it was right. so different. And it was something else. Yeah. It was something that someone was hungry for. And it was just, you know, right place at the right time. Got and me. this is another British creator, by the way, Barry Windsor Smith. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because it's interesting. I, I was just thinking, like, because uh, when we were talking about Logan film um, mm. on a podcast and we were talking about like adaptations, I don't know if this isn't an adaptation, but in terms of like, changing or uh yeah playing around with what you you expect from a certain character um yeah. and to be fair this isn't 
necessarily you know it's not like wildly different from what we what we know of logan it's just going a lot deeper and in a completely different way more brutal and visceral context so i just yeah. wonder if like you know someone's like whoa this is what um logan should be with his uh yellow suit or something like that, something like that. so yeah i just wondered how yeah, I mean, if you think about the way this story is told through this book, and if you think about how, because um, it's almost it's got shades of Frankenstein's monster as well. But like, if you mm. think about this, and then you think about how like maybe other superhero origin tales that you've read that are more uh, that Obviously. don't play with the formula <laughs> as much, yeah, that that don't play with the formula as much, and that that have like the whole kind of like. Um, there would there would have been a way to tell this story and keep it more superhero-y. Yeah. There would have been a way they could have told it. It's like deep down in the in the Canadian tundra, there's a secret laboratory. <laughs> Housed within this laboratory are scientists working to create the perfect weapon. Blah blah blah. You know, like and and it would have been just like you know some some like guys in white lab coats just like and and Logan would have been completely heavily sedated. There'd have been no pain nothing and this would have been something that he consented to as a soldier or something yeah, like that yeah. there'd be a and scene where he signed the papers the yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and he would have come out of the other end of it as this like hyper you know um secret agent for canada or something this this <laughs> agent of whatever you know and he would have like uh but yeah it, it there is there was a way they could have told this in a really superhero way and this ain't it this is this for me is like it because we had this idea of wolverine as like he's almost a werewolf that doesn't transform because when wolverine flips and goes full wolverine as it were when the claws come out and he just loses all sense of who when he sees red um and he loses all sense of who or what until the killing's done this kind of like taps into and isolates that animalistic rage that Wolverine experiences when that happens and then spreads it out in eight page bursts, <laughs> which I really like. Um, so moving on from like his, t- cause we get to the point now where, uh, so we're through the testing and they're just making tweaks to the equipment and things. And then there's more, very painful sounding surgery. There's the whole point where they have him on the table and they're opening his arm up and they're keeping him semi-conscious. They're keeping him floating while they're doing what they're doing to him. And, um, like he starts shaking and they're like, okay, we need to up the, uh, the, the, we need to up the phenobarbital so that he stops shaking. Can we stop him from shaking, you know, and things like that, because he can actually feel what they're doing to him while they've got him on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, we've got the escape sequence where Logan escapes, but does he actually well, just, escape? Just a little bit before that, I just wanted to touch on like the idea of how this, this project escalates. Because like, we have the test with the wolves, and then you know they, um, the professor reveals that he had more requirements that aren't being fulfilled, like the, the, the range of the remote control and stuff like that. So they just decide to add more shit to him. Like, yeah. they, just, they just bolt on more stuff. They give him a helmet and they give him, like, all these 90s retro tech and his yeah. cables like, are coming off But he's still naked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he has to lug around the battery and, like, which slows him down. But, you know, the power, the more power and range is so necessary. Yeah. Let's Let's hang... 
let's hang a battery that looks like a ghost trap in a, yeah. in a, in a place where it's not going to get us in trouble for, for, you know, having to draw that particular part of his anatomy. Yeah. But I do love this one splash page we get of him, like, slumped on a chair covered in wires and stuff. And, like, it's just how it, it's, it's comical and really sad at the same time. Yeah. Like, just this guy who's got all this crap attached to him. And I, I don't know, there's something that really, really touched me about that just one page where he looks you know, quite serene in some ways. But yeah. yeah, you know, when it's a really warm day and you have to go into the attic to get like that one cable and you have to dive <laughs> through all the other cables to get to that one cable. And it's a really warm day and you have to go into the attic. <laughs> <laughs> Is that and that's the aftermath. <laughs> Trying to find an HDMI cable. <laughs> you got to get naked to go into the attic. It's a really warm day. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's that's like that's what I got in my head from that. Like this this whole thing of him like diving through a pile of um, diving through a pile of controllers looking for that one Mega Drive pad, <laughs> and, and just like giving up halfway, just like covered in them, like slung over his shoulder and things like that. It's like I'm yeah. just going to put it all out and sort it out later. Yeah. All his old Ghostbusters toys attached to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's a bunch of ghost traps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that helmet is the thing they put on Lewis Tully in uh, Ghostbusters <laughs> where they're like trying to monitor his brainwaves. Hmm. But yeah, then they go out and make him fight a bear, which I thought yeah. was just absurd, but also yeah. like really, really frightening because that bear looks really scary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he goes and fights the bear and then after that they put... Is this where the coffee thing is after that? It is, isn't it? After the bear. It's in that area, yeah. 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 Oh, no, no. Is it before the bear? Perhaps just before, but yeah. It's yeah, because that that's when they upgrade the controls and things, and then they test it out, and he fucks up, mm. and everyone laughs at him, and he doesn't like that everyone's laughing at him, and then he pours coffee on Logan's face uh, to try and, like, get a rise out of him to... And also because he's, you know, like, look at this, I can do this to you and you're this like, savage killing machine and you can't vindictive. do anything about the fact that I'm doing this, yeah. Doesn't he get and attacked then, as well? Or, because, yeah, doesn't he get, like, Logan lashes out at him or something? That's towards then, the beginning, yeah. Yeah, oh, is that, that's okay. the, mm. when they first are, like, breaking, like, they've broken down his memories and stuff. And oh, they're, like, rebuilding. yeah, Because he holds that grudge, yeah. like, all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, he gets to realise that grudge because he escapes mm. but it's um, and it's really cathartic to read that bit of Logan getting his own yeah. back on everyone <laughs> and but he escapes in the in the point where Cornelius is sort of again waxing philosophical about how he got blackmailed into this whole yeah. affair and it's not really his fault and like isn't this going a bit too far? Like it's really casual. Like this yeah. has gone on a bit long, hasn't it? Like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, we realised that he hasn't actually escaped. They just played that sequence in his mind to kind of like overcome the last barrier which was his thirst for revenge for what they've done to him Mm. so they gave him that memory to kind of like sate him so they could control him but then then at the end he actually escapes (laughs) how did you guys feel about this uh this sequence because it's been a while since i've been like tricked by uh uh Mm. Uh, the, like this sort of fake out escape in a while. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, like I, Nigel. I heard you say that you were disappointed. Was that about this sequence? Yeah, on 
I think like the ending, I needed that ending because uh, so with that dream sequence or manufactured um, memories, like I wanted that to happen just because of like the professor, you kind of wanted to see him suffer through that. So it was sort of on on one level sort of enjoyable. And then Mm. when it turned out like they had implanted those memories, I was disappointed on like a oh, I didn't get his vengeance, but also on a like it, it's it's never well it's not always always a good thing in stories to go oh it's just a dream. So I was kind of a bit wary at that point. Of, oh, well, are they just like negating this whole kind of arc that they just went on that that made sense in a sense. So I, I feel that's why they needed the, to have him escape <laughs> at the end. So at least in our minds we can because even if they didn't show what happened, but in our minds we can fill in those gaps and at least get that um that closure um at, yeah. at the end because mm-hmm. it's a really because... long sequence as well yeah. The whole yeah him escaping and then fighting all of these guards and then yeah. you get to see how uh the professor betrays heinz and like tosses her into the pit when he starts <laughs> like there's a lot happens like it's yeah. really dense he starts lobbing nuclear material at him and then he comes out and he's set on fire and all or xyz all of this stuff happens it like and then I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just like escalated so quickly mm, that I was really? so surprised that I got hoodwinked. Like, yeah. and you, <laughs> I was you like, say, did I miss something? <laughs> because it's so, like the whole story had been so disoriented, uh, disorientating that you, you like, I'm thinking, like, I don't even know when when the, the dream started. Reality yeah. was, uh, was mm. when that break. There's no clean, uh, or maybe there is, and I just missed it. But it just, it just all it made sense and just went with the flow of things so when it was shown that oh it's just like um memories that we implanted you kind of like snap out of it and like oh when did that happen i was i was in it like (laughs) that you put that on me as well yeah yeah i i mean i knew what was coming this time around but the first time i read it i got tricked i was like wait what yeah (laughs) you just showed me all that some of the best artwork as well is within that section like you've got like these really cool like single page kind of like displays of the carnage that's going on inside the weapon x base like um you've got the uh the page that they kind of use for the cover of the, oh, the yeah. version i have the 2009 print where it's uh wolverine in a mass of bodies like um guards and stuff and he's just kind of like rising out with one of them on the end of his fist mm. kind of thing like cutting them up and then you've got the um the other page that i like which is like it again it's got that lettering that roar and it's just logan just looking very lion-like staring down the professor Hmm. and the professor's just like telling him to die and probably at that point wetting himself as well yeah (laughs) i feel like even though it was you know uh it was all a dream, but um, it really did show up the professor and just like the the depths of his, I don't know, just lack of Depravity human empathy. Lack like of there's humanity. a moment where, yeah, yeah humanity, yeah. Uh, there's a moment where um, I think Cornelius is, is killed by Logan and then the professor and Heinz run away and then Heinz wants to go back and 
he's like just just run like he, i think he said even well i couldn't help him even if i wanted to I'm like wow this guy like, yeah. just, there's no limit yeah it was like <laughs> yeah you don't even go. want to wow <laughs> yeah like you didn't even need to say that like i was i i understood yeah just run because you know what what can we do but he just added like even if <laughs> even if i wanted to like we couldn't go back like, he just wanted to make sure you knew that he yeah, does like, not care i do not want to help this guy <laughs> He also calls Heinz a stupid woman literally just a second before he says, I couldn't even yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. Like he goes, this, the thing I don't like. The worst. This is, yeah, he's awful. Uh, it, it, this is one of those fridge logic moments, which makes me think after the fact, like, did they program in all this behavior from real world scenarios? Because did the professor program in this narrative of him being an absolute douche? Like, why would he put that there to be seen on screen? Like, yeah. him having I... one hand chopped off and then having that other hand chopped off. Like, or was it all natural from Logan's perspective? And I, then why... I feel like it's part of Logan's perspective, like, acting out what he wants to do, and also Cornelius. But then we get some really interesting character moments, which I guess aren't valid. They're not actually... Yeah based on i mean it's it's one of those annoying nitpicky things that i kind of hate myself for even bringing up but it's more like i'm interested in what it's in what i am i'm supposed to believe about these characters based on like what point of view is the narrative yeah. thrown in from because mm. yeah. the moments do check out like it 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 mm. tracks that <laughs> that a professor would be like that but then like you say because it's uh it's not real is that is that real character uh character building moment what, what am I to make of that? Hmm. I like then, to think of the the catharsis point we get at the end where, you know, we see his three claws come through the thing and we don't actually see what happens next. I like to imagine it's exactly as he imagined. And he just, yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was like one of those martial arts movies where they, like, they see the whole fight in their minds and then, like, there's one slash in reality and, like, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's like that. <laughs> and then that is, like, the sort of, like, after that sequence, we're treated to kind of like this, this kind of like warped sequence that's going on in Logan's mind where it's kind of like the final seal is broken and the beast is now loose. And he's just kind of like warping and changing into this beast as he's like running and trying to run from whatever. And then you've got like the three panels of the, um, the tiger and the chain breaking mm. and then him busting through the fence and then he's out there fighting a tiger. Yeah. And it was kind of like the final, the final thing they had to break was that that was like the final part of his humanity being stripped away. But actually, what what this book actually because the most human character is Logan, mm. and by the end of it, he's the most he's the most inhuman. But he's only made inhuman by the true monster, which is the professor. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing it's got like that kind of like um, Frankenstein's monster thing going on. And I think they also highlight Logan's humanity in the uh, in the fabricated sequence in his mind where yeah. he doesn't kill Heinz. Yeah. Um, and it was like, and then they highlighted a bit later on to say that he only uh, kills for vengeance. What was it? Oh, like those who are or attacking or hungry. threatening him. Yeah, yeah, fret, 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 or hunger. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't. Like, he wouldn't have killed Cornelius if he didn't fire the gun. If the professor didn't punch I him in the back of the head. Him, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Heinz is also really open about how she doesn't like. She can't stand pain, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah I, get, I get it." <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, really? Really? You can't stand pain, honestly. Right. 
no yeah it's um it's great how how they go through that and how it's like these i i i honestly feel like that dream sequence was programmed by cornelius because I think Cornelius has the the kind of like the way I get the way Cornelius's dialogue goes and the way he is as a character throughout this book, I feel like Cornelius. Um, I guess is, he doesn't hide it, does it? <laughs> no, yeah, he's yeah. he's like I I feel like he would be the one that would be like, okay, you douchebag, let's see how you let's see how you like this when I do this to you in Logan's yeah. memories, you know, like he's done that to the professor on purpose because that's him getting his revenge as well because he hates his mm. boss kind of yeah. thing you know and i think there's there's a point uh just before i th- i think maybe this might be the like turning point from that from like the reality into into that dream sequence um but uh heinz and cornelius are having that conversation um about it that like you know their philosophical you know is this right moment um and they kind of <laughs> say uh but we should help him as well, right? Uh, and then I feel like that's when we go into the dream sequence, but who knows? Because yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they got it really well there. Um, that's a like, really good point. Like, yeah. let me have one moment of making myself look good before we dive into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, well, yeah, is that, yeah, is that sort of where they, I don't know program the professor to be like extra douchey (laughs) (laughs) it's that extra level i would yeah 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 Yeah, that's that's the point right there and then in in his final escape sequence like i really love how the the color palette changes we get this like baby blue and pink like sequences which then transform into like pink on black and then transform into like yellow on black and it's oh the final final yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The escape. Yeah, the, like the what Greg was saying, the animalistic escape, like where he's he's in sort of in dialogue with his animal self because it's the first time we get him, uh, like we get his speech bubbles back, and then we get the sort of the dashed speech bubbles as well, where he's questioning his own, like his own self. Yeah. Um, and that whole sequence where it's like it almost becomes a poem again, where it's like yeah. he's he is describing. Um, having to try and escape this personality maybe or even running to embrace it like it's it's not quite clear whether he's running uh, from that emotion or towards it because that's what's going to give him freedom like I think Mm. that's a really uh, yeah I don't know just really affecting I feel like those bits where it's blue the panels where it's blue and you've got the pink on blue Mm. um, where it's kind of like hyper vivid and whatever like highlighted um that to me feels like a very anime thing to do. Mm. Like that feels like something I've seen used in anime. Like they would freeze frame it. Like mm. if you were watching an anime and that happened, like especially like late eighties, early nineties anime. So I wonder if he, if he watched a lot of anime, Barry Winsor Smith and pulled it from mm. that. I don't know. Mm. But that's, yeah, that's, um, kind of something a technique that i feel like i've seen in anime somewhere where they're highlighting a certain point of a character or something like that yeah, yeah. is that where because the uh, the speech or the um the lettering changes as well because it's no longer contained in any kind of bubble or yeah or box or anything yeah it's free like logan yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you've got like the screaming noise and then 
into the tiger. Well, well yeah, because it's him that you have another metamorphosis sort of imagery yeah. where he's it's almost tree-like or like branch or bone-like, and it's all like sprouting out of him. Yeah, um, yeah, I hate it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <It's> so metal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also very like a thing we didn't talk about at the start uh, is like the 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 pacing and rhythm of the words and like we see that very early on uh, trying to find the sequence where they're it's where we're being introduced to three voices like of the three different scientists and they're doing this thing where they're like talking but then also verifying what they're doing to logan so it's like feed conductive feed steady feed like i I like how he starts to implement this rhythm really early on and then it kind of we kind of lose that for a while but it comes back here where we end up seeing I don't know, I think this is what I mean by it being a bit more like poetry, because, um, yeah. yeah, I guess just the way the text is on is displayed, and it's like, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to flip my way back to it again. Because kind it's of like using that repetition. Mm. Mm. And it's also um, the way those boxes are, I think we, we touched on this anyway, but the way those boxes are scattered, I mean, they do kind of follow, like they go up and down, like in curves under the images. So they almost follow like the line of a heart monitor, if you think about it that way. But oh. they're also like, um, I don't know whether I'm looking at it too deeply now, like whether I'm doing the Pepe Silver thing and I've got all the stuff like. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But it's also, but, yeah. it, it's like leaving space for the thing inside the panel, which you wouldn't normally yeah. get to do if you weren't, if you hadn't already established you were breaking the rules. But, and so yeah. in, in this, in this final sequence where, you know, I said like the, the, yeah. the spiky metamorphosis and you get like blood and fire bones heavy dense like lead like I've, th- those hit really strongly because yeah. that was established early on and we've just had these like run-on paragraphs and i think it really sells that metamorphosis really well because it's like the mm. lash shreds of his humanity where he's able to string together these sentences then become these like staccato like one word pulses it, it becomes poetry again yeah because mm. it is a poem you could isolate that and you could have it as a poem about wolverine mm. but like the um I was going to say those those text boxes and the way they do it in in the lab sequences, especially where Logan's on the table or in in the in the bath, the adamantium bath or whatever. Um, it's like um, almost like the text boxes are kind of scattered to be ambient, so it gives the impression of ambience. Like you're in this lab and you're hearing noise echoing from other parts of the lab, like people calling mm. across the lab saying, "Are you watching this monitor? Are you watching that monitor? Feed steady, etc." Yeah, and it's just yeah. Again, over putting you over. in the place. Mm. Putting you in that environment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we come to the, the actual escape where he wakes up from the dream sequence. He fights the tiger. Um, again, another brutal scene of Logan proving that he is the apex predator. Uh, that Weapon X is the ultimate apex predator by taking down the most dangerous animals on Earth, i.e. a wolf, a bear, and a tiger. And then, like... Uh, his true escape where he, he you know, he kills the, the rat, the handlers, and then comes into the lab and exacts his revenge upon the professor. And then uh, then we get this this very kind of like serene colour palette where he's finally escaped and we've got like the, the sunrise kind of thing, the, the, the orange and pink light bouncing off the ice. Um, and we're treated to this like serene Canadian landscape where Logan is kind of like wandering the tundra <laughs> like somehow not dying of frostbite or you know i mean he wouldn't die of frostbite but he's somehow not getting frostbite 
<laughs> and then like parts of him falling off and regrowing and stuff. But yeah, he's just like frozen to the bone, just wondering. Still no um, clothes. Yeah. Maybe that's his first stop. Yeah. <laughs> like Terminator. It's like. <laughs> well, like I, I can imagine that he tried looking for clothes before he left, and he's like, "Well, there's no flannel or jeans, so." Yeah. Maybe an animal, but come on, I've got. I've got yeah. Sense. I've got. <laughs> I've got an image to maintain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I need. I need to find a truck stop and steal, steal some clothes from a trucker. <laughs> He's like going through Cornelius's wardrobe and he's like, oh my God. Oh, nothing, nothing <laughs> yeah. works here. Maybe, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not wearing a wool vest. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I do like this final, these final few pages before the, I think it's called Interlude and Escape, like the sort yeah. of epilogue. Um, yeah. Just that, just the idea of like, I kind of wish it had ended on his claws coming through the door. And mm. the and like Heinz, Cornelius, and the professor just looking at it and screaming. Yeah, because uh, we get the page afterwards where he actually bursts through the door, and they're all like, "Oh my god, what's happening?" With Doctor Cornelius, are you still there? I kind of wish that page wasn't there, and it just ended like it ended on a horror movie note where like you know exactly what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like cut to credits after the kind of yeah. thing is where it's coming through. That yeah, cut to credits. That would be great. Um, can you imagine this adapted? As a as a horror movie, because I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, not by Disney. Right? Um, <laughs> find someone else to do that. And, do you know what? Actually, Ray, it almost does do the cut to credits after that because he he comes through the door, and then you've got the little box at the end that says the end. And then, well, no, because you you get the like the the flashing up of the three you know uh, the faces. The antagonist faces which i feel like is a little yeah. bit twee it's like blank 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 the end you know yeah. whereas if i feel like it hits a bit stronger on the page of four but it's just yeah. personal preference i just thought well that's a, that's the end and then, comical yeah and then this interlude and escape is kind of like a mid credit scene mm. which i quite like yeah i think um, it would make a good horror movie but i think it would have to be a short i don't think it's got enough like even though it's quite dense i feel like because it's mm. dense and, and like tightly packed in, it works really well. Because I think if you if they if they turned it into like a feature length kind of thing, I feel like they would have to add in all this fluff that would undo yeah. the the pacing of it. But I think it's perfect Definitely. as it is. There's so many yeah. so many moments where the like the the text on the art is working in concert in ways that I tend to not find and I'm often disappointed by. This gives me exactly what I want. In and and this is. I mean, like, I've talked about this before with other, like, comics that are the, entirely the work of one person. Mm. But, and even Larry Hammer talks about it as well in his, uh, in his little, um, his little introduction that he wrote for it. Like, it's, there's a cohesiveness you get when it's all one person's design and one person carrying that out. Then if you get, like, kind of like, a, then the, that there's different i mean you get teams of people that work very well together i'm not i'm not downplaying the team because that's that's wrong that's not what i'm getting at you get teams of people that work very well together and they they you know the the, the cohesiveness of their work is brilliant and they bounce off each other really well and they adapt they adapt to each other's ideas very well and you get really great artists working with really great writers to produce something fantastic together that neither of them would be able to produce on their own but with something like this, you get it, it because it's all one person 
all one creator, there's kind of like another level of like cohesiveness to it. Yeah. If you understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's like another level of, of how everything joins and works together, how everything just, just fits. Like it was born like that. Like, yeah, there's like an yeah. authorship to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like a singular vision. Yeah, yeah, a singular vision, which is is, which is what makes it work really well as a book. Um, and as even even though it was published in eight page chapters, the way it was published in eight page chapters, there's no like end chapter one. Like there's no there's no endings and beginnings of chapters when you look at it because it just flows. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't you wouldn't want this to be if you were reading this you wouldn't want this with the covers in between each chapter like you might want with if you were reading an omnibus edition of something where it's like because because you wouldn't want it to be broken up you'd want it as one cohesive unit. It's funny you say that because I think after the fact and like since you start since we started recording I didn't realize it was broken up in. Uh, eight page chapters i kind of wish there was some indication of where those points stopped and started but i think it's a testament to how like i because I, while you were talking i was having a look through and counting those eight pages and i think it's interesting how smoothly it all fits together but also those eight pages tell their own little you know small story arcs as well mm. uh, at least for the first i don't know 30 odd pages that i flicked through um, yeah like that takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of mm. like planning and um like n- knowing how you're going to pay things off um which is all the more impressive i think yeah um so i'm i'm gonna um say that like because you were asking me about the reception that this book might have got originally uh nigel oh yeah um and I feel like it was uh it was received pretty well because um there was like the first collection it got was in 1993 it was in a hardcover so that's 2 years after it was originally printed. Okay. Yeah. Um and then uh, there was a 2007 hardcover after that and then that was reprinted in 2009 which is the version I've got. Um and it's also in the Best of Wolverine volume 1 which was published in 2004. And the Omnibus uh, the Wolverine omnibus, omnibus of 2009. So it's it's kind of a thing that gained prestige and became something that was... Uh, I get the feeling that... I mean, like if I was a comics fan at the time, I know I would have enjoyed it. So I get the feeling that it was very well received. Yeah. And it would have been something very different. So, yeah. That's good. Mm. Um, so, uh, is that where we close out? Does anyone have any final thoughts? Um, I just, feel like covered most things. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm um, just glad that the professor got his in the end. I think yes. that's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> but everyone enjoyed it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make people read something they didn't like, yeah. did I? <laughs> I feel like enjoy is, is like the wrong word for this. For this kind of story. For this kind yeah. of story. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I get um, that. It's like um, yeah, it's a bit like uh, the Last of Us, where like yeah, it's that kind of because it like I said at the beginning, it makes you feel things that you, I was like at least in this story, I wasn't necessarily prepared to be uh, feeling, but I like the I like that the comic did that, and yeah. comics are able to do that. 
I definitely appreciated it a lot. Yeah. Ray? No, I think we've covered everything. And I think you guys have all had really good insights, which make me want to go back and like reassess things from a different point of view. So yeah, I'm really satisfied that I, I read this. I don't think I ever would have got to this myself if it wasn't for you, Greg. So I'm, I'm very yeah. pleased you made me read this. Yeah. Because I know, I know that a lot of the time this kind of stuff isn't your thing. So I, I know you're, you're more for the indies and the lighthearted stuff where comics are concerned. Um, so I, I, I do like to make you read these types of things just to see... <laughs> Well, for every for every old man Logan, there's a Weapon X. So let's just let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's keep on this track if we can. Yeah, and it is it is one of the it is one of my favorite comics. Hmm. It is one of my favorite books. Like I've had it on my shelf for years, and it's it's just it's something that I get out every so often anyway because I like looking at it and I like the the kind of like I don't know. I just I just like how it is. It is literally like you know, like the old um, so Beowulf. For example, like these these poetic sagas where they have like a point, um, and and like it, it's it for me it kind of feels like that. It's like because it is it has these points where it's arranged like a poem, and you go through it and the imagery and everything else, and it's kind of like a a poetic musing on the the kind of like the psyche of a berserker, and the way that the humanity can be it has been stripped from logan and he's been born anew and it's got like this whole kind of like themes of of him being like his him being like reborn and rebaptized and everything else and like baptized in sheep's blood and fighting wolves to prove himself to be like the apex predator to be the the wolverine as we know him you know this efficient uh fusion of man and beast and i'm starting to sound like the professor <laughs> uh, so <laughs> close it out there um so that has been ace comicals number 96 where we have discussed weapon x uh you can find us at www.acecomicals.com which is kind of the hub for everything we do um we've got a poll list this week so um ray do you want to take us away with what you've got down for 1609 which is yeah, the 16th of september I've only got two for the 16th. Uh, one is Finger Guns number five. I've talked a lot recently about how much I've been enjoying Finger Guns. Um, so yeah, check that out. And then I didn't realize this was a thing, but there's a comic for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is a movie that I really love from a few years ago. It turns out the comic is written by the director of the movie, uh, Anna Lily uh, Amipour. And the art is actually by the guy who did the storyboard for the movie, uh, Michael Deweese. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm wondering if it's, in fact, just uh, like an adaptation of the storyboards that were made for the film. I'm really keen to see what that's like, because I like really dug that film. It's a horror, uh, vampire horror, just to warn people coming into it. Um, but yeah, check those out. And... Uh... Yeah, I've got a, a few things on the list here because um, it's that time of year. We're uh, we're getting into spooky season. Um, we're halfway through September, but I'm already like you know getting ready for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about spooky season, and I'm not gonna let the I'm not gonna let the quarantine ruin spooky season. I'm gonna have a quarantine Halloween. It's gonna be a really good Halloween still. So I'm gonna make jack o' lanterns, and even if I can't like you know have a Halloween party or whatever. I'm still going to enjoy it. So uh, we start off with Stillwater, which is a new thing coming out September 16th, Skybound Image Comics. And this is by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, the little blurb goes, nobody dies in the town of Stillwater. That's not just a promise. It's a threat. 
join uh, Chip Zdarsky uh, of the White Trees and Daredevil and Eisner award-winning artist uh, Ram N.K. Perez. Uh, he did Jim Henson's Tale of Sand and Jane as they dive into a world of horror and intrigue in this new ongoing Skybound series. So that's going to be a little bit of horror. Uh, we've got some nice artwork for it with... Um, you've got like the town and then below the town you've got roots that come to a heart and then the heart is kind of like over that you've got like superimposed like a woman holding a child but she's a skeleton and the heart is in the right place when she's over the top of it like overlaid and it, it just all looks pretty fantastic um so i'm looking forward to that uh you've got an umbrella academy one shot uh well not a one shot it's a, it's uh the beginning of a like a an umbrella academy um side series if you will so you look like death tales from the umbrella academy number one uh and this is uh, the first Ac umbrella academy spin-off series which is the words that i was looking for um when eight the 18 year old seance gets himself kicked out of the umbrella academy and his allowance discontinued by hargreaves he takes to place takes to a place where his ghoulish talents will be appreciated after a magical high on a vampire drug lord's stash klaus needs help and doesn't have his siblings there to save him so this is Klaus uh, as an 18-year-old teenager, which sounds fairly interesting because I like Klaus. He's, he's probably my favorite character from the Umbrella Academy, actually. Uh, we've got Heavy, number one. Um, this is kind of like the Punisher, but in the afterlife. And this is something that is uh, on Vault Comics. So um, Bill may be dead, but he's got a job to do. Welcome to the big wait, where folks who don't quite make the cut go to work off their debt. Everyone in the wait has got a job. Bill is a heavy whose job is policing the multiverse, making sure bad eggs get what's coming to them. He's on track to earn his climb and reunite with the woman he loves until he meets his new partner, the worst dude of all time. So he's it's basically the Punisher. Um, also, supposedly, according to this, a lot like the Preacher. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, like afterlife Punisher, like trying to work off his debt in purgatory to get to heaven, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, and then the last one for the uh, 16th of September is a book called Hundred Wolves. Um, so this uh, sort of like caught my eye. Again, another Vault Comics title. The Hundred Wolves are bloody-handed terrors of the steppe. Andre and Oksana have left the Cossack band to raise their daughter on a farm they hold from the noble Count Ostoja. But the raiding life isn't done with them. Both the Hundred Wolves and the couple's new liege lord wish to employ their deadly skills, and neither will take no for an answer. From celebrated author Mike Cole uh, of the Sacred Throne trilogy and the Shadow Ops trilogy and uh, venerable artist Tony Atkins of Fables, Hellblazer and Wonder Woman comes a story of war and family, blending historical fiction with a touch of fantasy. So this is like, these guys are a family and uh, they've left a band of Cossacks to go live as simple farmers. But um, the Cossacks want them back and the Lord wants to use them as assassins or something. And it sounds pretty crazy. So I'm into that. Um, and then uh, the 23rd of September, we've got Juggernaut now getting his own ongoing series. So Juggernaut number one. Um, we've got the beginning of the X-Men event, X of Swords, uh, which is like a big X-Men crossover thing. Uh, we've, I'm not going to go into that too deeply. <laughs> uh, we've got a book called An Unkindness of Ravens. Um, now this looks kind of interesting cause this is like, uh, 
So this is a this is a witchy thing. So not all the witches burned during the Salem witch trials, and the ones that survived did so together, protecting the ancient secrets entrusted to them for generations. They now call themselves the Ravens. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is kind of like a story about witches, about um, kind of like teenagers, by the looks of it, teenage witches, um, sort of like living uh at school kind of like you know like in a coven and whatever and it sounds kind of interesting so i'm into the idea of that uh and then we've also got um a book called the autumnal which i've been looking forward to which is um so if you remember last year we talked about um the vault comics doing the uh the horror comics uh, they have the Nightfall uh, line now, which they're going to start publishing new titles for every spooky season, shall we say. Um, so the Autumnal is going to be one for this year, which I've been quite looking forward to. I've been seeing a lot of buzz about it on Twitter, and uh, it's something that excites me. So following the death of her estranged mother, Kat Somerville and her daughter Sybil flee a difficult life in Chicago for the quaint and possibly pernicious town of Comfort Notch uh, in New Hampshire. From the New York Times bestselling author Daniel Krauss, The Shape of Water, Trollhunters, and The Living Dead, and rising star Chris Sheeran comes a haunting vision of America's prettiest autumn, which is something that I am like, take my money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's the pull list. So that's things to look forward to for the next two weeks. Uh, spooky season is truly beginning, and uh, everyone should, should get into that. Um, so yeah, that has been Ace Comicals number 96. You can find us on Twitter under Ace Comicals. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. You can interact with us, send us DMs. You can send us emails, which is acecomicals at gmail.com. You can find us anywhere you can find podcasts to listen to. Um, Tazzy and Nigel, do you want to tell us where we can find you and find what you do? Yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah, my matter. Um, MyMeta.com, MyMeta on Twitter, uh, although MyMeta tees on Instagram because someone had and still has MyMeta. That's another story. But yeah, uh, all those places. And then um, Gamepad.events um, for the gaming side of what we do. Yeah. And for me, I am at Tazzy on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Or you can find me live on Twitch on Monday, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, uh, at, and that's Tazzy with an X on the end because, yeah, usernames. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been getting messages, like on a side note for the usernames thing, to my PlayStation account because I have the the um, the name Bernholt as my PlayStation username, which is a character. It's a name that I created for a, um, a D and D character that I played as a while ago. Ah. Um, and like, I've been using that as my PlayStation user because Bato was taken. Now I've got someone sending me messages going, Oh, um, can you like uh, change your name from Bernholt? Cause I use Bernholt on like lots of other pl <laughs> platforms. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> Sell it to them. I don't even need messaging back. I'm just like, no, just ignore him. I do feel I know that feeling. <laughs> no, I think it's really annoying when the person doesn't even use their account. That one bugs me. Mm. Yeah. Inactive. Just give me the username. 
that's why I had on Instagram. It's just, it's, yeah. It's right. fine if you're using it. I'm happy that you got that. But when it's yeah. inactive, like no one's, no one's enjoying it. And um, uh, Rahul, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at my handle that nobody's begging me for, which is Monke, M-O-O-N-K-E-H. You can also find me uh, online on PlayStation in Tony Hawk's racking up million plus combos and then about half an hour later in the streets falling over 20 times. You racked up a million plus combo? Of course I have. I Like that muscle memory remains. I played, I played Tony Hawk's a lot as a kid. Impressive. Thank you. <laughs> That's like I can only dream of getting combos that high, but yeah, get good man. This is my this is my get good game. I can't say that to anyone else about anything else apart yeah. from Tony Hawk's. Get good. I'm I'm sat there with my PlayStation pad, you know, doing everything I can. <laughs> oh god, holding on to what I am. <laughs> Pretending you're what? A Superman, maybe. I don't know. Pretending you're Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm losing sleep. I've lost count of sheep. Uh, you know, my mind's racing faster every minute and I'm confused. I just don't know what to do, but I need to hit that pro score, you know? So, yeah, there we go. That has been Ace Comicals number 96. That's Ace Comicals over and out.